Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at borocitychurch.com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at borocitychurch.com. Thank you for listening. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dustin. I'm one of the, the pastors here, and I uh, have the privilege of continuing our series this morning on the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm sure you guys are aware that there is a major television event happening this evening. I know you know what it is. There is not one but two episodes of Shark Tank on tonight. That's right. That's right. Uh, now, of course, you know there is another one also that you've probably scheduled your day around. Um, there is a certain football game happening, um, no small one at that, and if you're like me, you probably have made plans to watch it, possibly with others. So I'm going to give in to the cultural gravity of making an obligatory yet powerful sports <laughs> reference right here at the beginning, Okay. Tom Brady, you probably know who he is. If you don't, he is the quarterback for the New England Patriots. He is going to be playing in tonight's game. This past week, uh, he was a part of the media day, like all the players are a part of. And players are bombarded with questions, serious and not serious at all. And this was no different. Questions about, for him, particularly particularly about maybe how much longer he might play the game, um, strategy that they have going into the game against the Falcons, a possible game that they're going to play next year in Mexico City and how he's excited about that. Even a question about whether his supermodel wife has an available sister that somebody can date. But of all the questions that Brady was asked, there were at least two that moved him even to tears. You see, the first question was from a young reporter. and It was a softball question. He simply asked, who is your hero? Brady began his response by saying, wow, that, that's, that's a good question. And he was barely able to get the rest of the words out when he started to say, my dad is my hero. His words trailed off and tears came into his eyes. He looked down and tried to gather himself and to regain his composure in the middle of this long interview. And he could barely utter the words, my dad, my dad, through tears in his eyes. And the ridiculous questions went on and on and on. They came back again and someone else asked them again about his dad. But this wasn't a follow-up question to the one before. You see, you might have heard even that Brady's dad made some pretty critical uh, comments about essentially Brady's boss, the NFL commissioner, okay? Now, if you don't know, Brady himself has been in a lot of controversy himself. Uh, people have considered him a cheater. They've considered him a liar for some things that happened several years ago. But his dad came in his comments criticizing uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, but he was doing that because he was defending his son. And so 
someone asked Brady, were your father's words essentially your words? Do those represent who you are? And he kind of began to, you know, shuffle around the question. But again, he got emotional. And it wasn't emotion that was coming from anger because he was being asked the question. Again, it was because his dad was his hero and he was upset because he was trying to defend not just his dad's comments, but his character. In an article I read that spoke about this, I missed it in the interview, but somehow he said some other things about his mom and his dad. And these words will be up on on the screen. He was just a great example for me. And he was always someone who supported me in everything I did. You know, to come home at night and bring me out and hit ground balls and fly balls. I loved baseball growing up. And to have a chance to go to 49er games on the weekend with him and my mom and to throw the ball in the parking lot before games, those are memories that I'll have forever. It's that that brought him to emotion. Perhaps it's that dad's support of him and this 39-year-old quarterback getting to his seventh Super Bowl just as much as it is a strict workout and diet regimen. And you know what? I would guess that at the end of tonight's game, you will probably find this man and his father, win or lose, saying, son, I'm proud of you. Regardless of what you might think of Tom Brady and my own personal feelings or opinions aside, I found it kind of refreshing to see someone honor their parents in such a way. And perhaps those comments are a glimpse of what it might mean for us to obey the fifth commandment. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We've been in a series where we're talking about the Ten Commandments and how they display God's beauty and His character. And I hope that today is nothing less than that. So we're at the halfway point. Um, and you can go ahead and find Exodus 20, verse 12. That's where we're going to be uh, coming from. And You know, in honor of the game tonight, you know, there's not going to be any halftime entertainment or pyrotechnics after today's halfway point in this series. But because I'm a man of few words, you will probably celebrate nonetheless because you'll get out maybe a little bit earlier. (laughs) So um, I would like for you to read those words along with me. So I'll give you a chance to pull that up or pull that out. If you have the English Standard Version, that's the one I'm going to read. I use others to study, but that's the one we're going to read together. So if you don't have that one, the words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Um, We would love to give you one. You can see us in the back corner if you'd like one. So hopefully I've delayed and given you plenty of time to find Exodus 20, verse 12. So let's read it together. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's the word of the Lord for us this morning. The first point, guys, is very simple. God gives us this command because he wants us to honor him by honoring our parents. It's no surprise that sociologists, psychologists, and politicians from the right and the left all agree that families are important. Study after study shows that families are foundational to physical, mental, emotional, individual, and social well-being. There is no doubt. 
God not only seems to agree, in fact, it was his idea. You see, God is a father, first and foremost. In the family-like nature of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, what we see are family values, not because God values them, but because He is them. So honor, love, and delight, those things are all bound up in who God is. Those things come out of His character. And so this Trinitarian family unit is one where we see honor and love and delight. And I would imagine that the blessing that He's bestowed on us to be fathers and mothers and to have fathers and mothers is one where he wanted to see those things in us as well. You see, in Genesis 1 and 2, God created the world. And he didn't create it out of need. He created it out of delight. And he established marriage between a man and a woman and established the blessed creation of the family. So when we get to this point, it really all comes down to who God's character is, and it centers around one word in that command, and that command is honor. Honor. What does it mean for us to honor our parents and to honor the Lord? The Hebrew translation of that word, it comes from a root that means weight. It means weightiness. In other places, it's translated as glory because the glory of God, there's a particular weight of importance to that. So when we're told to honor our parents, we should have in our minds the idea of the weight of who they are because of who God has made them to be. There's the idea even of financial worth, of value that's particular to them. And God's entrusted that to parents And this is true whether or not you're a religious person or not. You probably see that in your own family. Family, you see, is where we see or we should see and learn the the weight of what it means to feel safe. What it means to feel cared for. What it means to grow up, to be responsible. It's where we learn and value things like trust and integrity, self-sacrifice and love. And God has created us to be moms and dads, and he's given us moms and dads so that we can see and know the weight of who he is. So the real question is, then, how do we do that? I mean, we obviously are broken. We live in a broken world. So let's look at what the Apostle Paul had to say into a culture that was, I dare say, just as broken as ours in the letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul quotes this commandment, and he addresses it not just to children, but also to parents. <clears throat> so I'm going to address both of those, and then everybody in the room, if you don't necessarily see yourself in either of those camps anymore. So first, he addresses the way that we should address 
one another in honor. And he uses the idea of honor. Even in the structure of those sentences together, honor is like the center of gravity in that parent and child relationship. It is like a balance of how children relate to their parents and parents relate to their children. So first, what does that mean? If you are a child, if you are under the age of 18, then what does that mean for you primarily? It means, like Paul said, to obey your parents. Now, I know you can do this begrudgingly, but is that really honoring them? You see, honor is not some sort of negotiation system where I give you what you want so that I can get what I want. Honor is the currency we deal with in this economy of the household. It goes both ways. We honor not because we have to or so we want something in return. It's because that's God's command that we honor Him in that way. So whether you're trying to get time on your screen or your, your bed, bedtime to get moved back or up or whatever, or who your friends are, or how many vegetables you're supposed to eat on your plate, the thing is, is that simply the lowest bar of honoring your parents is to just obey them. That's the low bar. Certainly we can raise that to other things. And that's why you should just obey your parents rather than arguing with them. Expect to do the things that are right. If they're asking you to do things that are reasonable, that are right, that are normal, that honor the Lord, then simply obey them. That's our, that's our due. Again, that's the low bar. Now, if your parents are asking you to steal cash from people or to like stab people in the side or punch them in the face whenever they say the slightest thing that ticks you off, then don't obey them because that is not going to honor the Lord. (laughs) If you're looking for any loophole, I guess that would be the only one. But if we're talking bedtime, screen time, family time, then there's really not any room for any of us to complain or roll our eyes. We're to simply honor the Lord by honoring our moms and our dads. So what about us that may be parents in the room? Specifically, Paul addresses fathers. Why does he do that? Because in God's economy, he's placed the responsibility of leadership squarely into the lap of the father. The moms, I know you're going to love your kids. I know you're going to nurture them. But fathers have a particular way where we tend to fade into the background and not take that responsibility on ourselves. So I believe Paul was pointing that out because he knew that was true then, just like it is true now. Fathers, fathers, step in. God expects you to. But the way we lead, for moms and for dads, it's important. We aren't called to be heavy-handed prison wardens in our home. We're called to be teachers. We're to give discipline and instruction for our children to follow the Lord. Those two words you you find at the end of that passage, discipline and instruction, here's what they mean. Discipline means training. It means training. It means parents should give structure. We should give discipline and rules and consequences. We should set those rules up in the family with the wisdom that the Lord provides and even in the community of the church. The point of the training for our children that are in our homes is so that they will meet Jesus and that they will follow them. 
follow him. You see, listen, it's setting those rules is not so you can set your kids up to be perfect or so that they won't annoy you. <laughs> okay? Well, let me just full disclosure here. When you do that, you actually produce sin in your household because then you've determined black and white, do this, don't do that. It's going to reveal the things that aren't happening. And your kids are going to annoy you, okay? It's okay. Kids, we know we annoy you, so it's okay. (laughs) Especially when we make dad jokes that aren't funny, okay? (laughs) Now, the question, though, I have for us is that for parents, just, just a question here. Are you the one setting those rules? Are you the one setting those boundaries? Because I can tell you, it's easy to kind of let that shift into someone else's deal. Like, well, the school tells them what to do. Or my kids say that this is important, so, you know, I want to not hurt their feelings. So I'm going to let them do what they want to do, so long as they aren't killing anyone. But there's a danger in that. And I'm not just talking about whether or not your kids in high school, middle school, and having, you know, curfew and all that. You know what? The kids you carry around in your arms can tend to try to control you just as much as the kids that you are picking up and taking to band and soccer practice. So we have to make sure that our discipline is actually starting as early as possible and continuing on. But parents, it's your job to set those guidelines and and those boundaries. The other thing that Paul points out is instruction. The idea behind instruction is kind of like counseling. It's that there's not just explanation of what the rules are, it's encouragement to actually follow them. It's not just giving the decree of here's the information that you need to know and do. It's the affirmation so that you can do it with joy. It's coupling the what with the why and teaching and showing that, modeling that. It's not just saying you need to do this. It's saying I believe that you can do this. That's the job of being a counselor and being an encourager to your kids. And here's the thing. To be honest, this is hard. We need to do both of these things, to discipline and to instruct in like equal measure. If we do one more than the other, things can tend to get out of balance. And that honor balance tends to get off. And personally, my kids would be able to tell you that I tend to do more disciplining than instruction. I tend to over-discipline and under-instruct. I tend to be more about the rules than about the, the encouragement to follow them. All right, perfect example. Come to our house any day, Monday through Friday, between 6.30 and about 7.15, and you will see physically what it looks like for someone's blood pressure to rise. <clears throat> so we've got a schedule. I, we even have it printed on the refrigerator now. Y'all in a community group, you've seen that? That was my idea. I was like, we are going to do this. And so it says we leave at 710. We never leave at 710. So it's true. We never do. But I tend to be heavy handed and selfish. And I neglect to encourage and to affirm and to be gracious. And I just need to chill out 
we are not training to be a Super Bowl contender who's running the two-minute drill every morning. We're just trying to get to school on time. I need to chill out. And I realize that about myself. I tend to over-discipline and under-instruct. You see, if we are the parents who are always setting the rules, who are always yelling the rules and red-carding our kids when they're the slightest bit out of line, then things are out of balance in the honor equation. And if you feel the need to quote over and over and over again, Exodus 20, 12, to your kids, that's probably an indication that you're already losing the battle. Show your children the honor that you want them to show the Lord. And trust that he will draw him, draw them to himself. But you can also undermine things by always coddling your kids and over-instructing but under-disciplining. You, you want to be your kid's buddy, but you never want to impose anything on them or keep them from anything. You don't want to give them guidelines, and that's just as out of balance. Encouragement without structure is just as much of a disaster. We need both training and discipline as well as instruction and encouragement, both as parents and as children. Now, my first point's kind of long, and I'm still not done yet. <clears throat> and you're probably, many of you in the room are probably like, you still haven't really talked to me because either you do not have kids <laughs> or you're out of the house already, so you don't consider yourself needing to obey your parents in the way that you once did. Or if you do have kids, they are, they're grown and gone. But everyone in this room applies as the audience of this command. Let me show you how. You see, in those days, there was no such thing as social security. There were no reverse mortgages. There was no AARP, and there was no Medicare. Okay? Your children were your retirement plan. Moses was speaking primarily to adults. This wasn't the moment where, you know, the first four I'm going to talk about God and then parents nudge your kids so they'll listen up and, you know, wake up so they can hear the last six. And then I'll get on with everybody, you know, in, in, verse, uh, in commandment six. He was talking to everyone. Adult children were expected to continue honoring their parents as they grew older. In fact, most homes had three generations or more living under the roof all at one time. So honoring your parents wasn't something you just did until you were the age of 18. It was something that was to continue for a lifetime. So let me say this. I realize our culture is very different. But all of us in the room have parents. If you don't have parents, I would love to talk to you and see how you got here today. <laughs> But if you have a relationship with your parents at all, honor them. Don't forget the weight of their importance on your life. Find ways to honor them. This might mean that you include them in your life as you move out of the house. That you make phone calls to ask for advice, to get wisdom that you know you don't have. Perhaps it's in writing personal notes it's in reminding them of important events of your life or sending a birthday card in the mail. 
You see, it's not something we stop doing when we move out of the house. It's something we should continue to do. And later on, be ready and willing to the extent you can to take care of your parents when they can no longer take care of themselves. I think nothing more would speak to our culture than doing that. Maybe your retirement plan should be one where you include taking in your parents. Maybe your retirement plan should be planning for your, retire, your, your parents' retirement plan. Instead of you thinking about planting a vineyard or sailing the oceans or whatever it is you want to do, perhaps you should plan on taking in your father and your mother when they can no longer take care of themselves. And if your parents are gone, they've died and they're no longer with you, you can continue to honor them. You can speak well of them to your family. You can feel the weight of who they are by showing honor to the Lord and by honoring them them in every way you can. And this brings me to my next point. Many of us need to honor our parents by forgiving them and not by blaming them. And this is where it gets difficult. So for the past several minutes, you've heard me rattle on about why we need to honor our parents. And I doubt any of you disagree that we need to do that. But some of you in the room, some of you, you're you're good. Some of you are totally on board with what I'm talking about and what God's command is for us. Because you've had great relationships with your parents. And for that, you need to be thankful. I tell you, actually, I get surprised sometimes when someone tells me about their relationship with their parents and they talk about how great it is. That seems to be less and less and less the norm. And I usually tell that person, you need to be thankful for that. You need to be greatly thankful appreciative for God's grace in your life. And so for you, if that's you, this command is like no brainer. Of course I need to honor my father and mother. You know, that's just normal. That's just natural. I would want to, but that's not the case for most of us in the room. And I know that specifically about some of you. I also know statistically that's true for most in the room this morning. So the thought of honoring your parents is extremely difficult. So when I say that your parents should carry a certain weight in your life, you don't see that as valuable. You see that as burdensome. That is not a weight uh, that's filled with joy. That's a weight that's filled with despair. It's not something that's precious. It's painful. It's not of honor. It feels like a weight that crushes you. Maybe that has broken you. So obeying this command, it doesn't just seem hard. It seems impossible. And you're thinking, that must mean that there's some sort of loophole for me. And here's the thing. I've heard you. I hear you when you say that they abused you. I hear you when you say that they chose addiction over you chose men over you, chose their selfishness over you. I understand that they drove you to seeking their approval and they never gave it to you. I understand that all you wanted to hear were the words, I love you and I'm proud of you, but you know what? You are not exempt from honoring them. And here's the deal. Our culture is quick to shift the blame to other people. We are quick to shift, it's not my fault, my failures are actually the result of somebody else and you are somehow not responsible, but that is not true. 
You and I are both responsible for our own sin, and we're also responsible for honoring our parents. And I'm not going to discredit, I'm not even going to doubt the pain and the suffering that may have come through your father and mother. I'm not going to doubt it, but I am going to challenge it. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Despite all those things, all the pain, all the hurt, all that crushing weight that you feel, those reasons are why you ought to forgive them and not blame them. You see, the ironic thing is that many of you, for many of you, the influence and the weight of your parents feels like a millstone that's tied around you and not around them. Do you remember that story that Jesus told Matthew 18, he said, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, that's not exactly what you might think of as like bedtime Bible reading with your children. Mind you, Jesus was holding a child in his lap when he said that. So note the seriousness of his words. But here's the ironic thing. When you think of the negative weight that maybe your parents have put in your life, again, you don't feel like the millstone is on them. It's on you. You feel sinned against and therefore you feel empowered to write them off, but you cannot nag. You cannot get the nagging feeling of the weight off of you. So why is it that it feels like it's tied around you? Perhaps it's there because it's not tied around you, but you will not let it go by forgiving them. And it's not just pulling them down, perhaps. It's pulling you down with it. Forgiving them And the way that Christ has forgiven you is the way that you let go. Will you simply open up your hands? Honor your parents by simply first taking the step to forgive them. That's step one for you. You see, you and I don't deserve the grace of God in Christ. We don't deserve it any more than the next person. Jesus took the weight of other people's sin on himself first. He stands ready to forgive. We must see ourselves then, not just our parents or anyone else, as a sinner. Before we see ourselves as sinned against, we must see ourselves as sinners before God. Jesus went through great effort, great pain, to ensure the forgiveness of people who did not deserve that, namely you and me. So how then can we claim that we know the love of God, we know Jesus Christ, and not be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us? Will you do that this morning? Will you take that step? Will you dwell upon the gospel and let that move you to forgive? Parents in the room, Perhaps some of you have made mistakes, ones that you wish you could go back and do over with your children. Do you receive Christ's forgiveness first for your failures as a parent? You should. And have you pursued your children's forgiveness? Have you actually asked them, please forgive me and be specific about what it is? The honor that you deserve from them 
may come by being humble enough to admit that you don't deserve their forgiveness, but you ask for it anyway. Furthermore, you may have children who have sinned against you. Are you willing to forgive them as well? Their dishonor and their disobedience is first not an offense to you. It's an offense to God. Will you open up your hands and be ready to forgive? See, here's the thing that we all need to remember and believe. Jesus carries the weight of our family, and he brings us into his. That's the beauty of it. The weight of honoring our parents and raising children is huge. And the weight of having broken parents and being a broken parent is a weight that is too much for any of us to carry. But we should remember Christ's words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you hear Christ's heart in these words this morning? Children, old and young, stop striving. Your parents' approval is not ultimate, neither is anyone else's. You're weighed down by sin. Your sin, perhaps even your parents' sin, you are heavy laden. You're weighed down by shame. You're stuck in the pride of worrying. Only Jesus can rescue from beneath that weight. And only He can give you life. Parents, old and young, be gentle. Give rest and not burdens. In Jesus, you find your children's achievements or failures do not change your standing or identity in the family of God. In Christ, be willing to forgive and find rest for your souls to honor the Lord by loving your children well and pointing them to Him. You see, Jesus' yoke is easy and His burden is light. His yoke is easy because it fits. It's what you were made for. Will you let Him come alongside you and transfer that weight off of you and onto Him? And it's light because you aren't the one who was made to to carry it in the first place. He is, and he stands ready to do that. Transfer that weight off of yourself and onto him. You don't have to be crushed under the weight of your sin or the sin of your parents. He was crushed on your behalf. You know, in recent years, the NFL has promoted itself with the slogan that football is family. Could it be that even through the ridiculousness of this past week's football media day, that we could be pointed to what it truly means to honor our father and mother? You see, what sent Brady into getting emotional in that second question was whether his dad's words spoke for him. And then the eyes of many, regardless of There being evidence or not being evidence, Brady is already one who stands guilty. And it's not because of the air pressure in a football. It's because of his sin before God. Just like myself and just like any of you. He may be considered a cheater and liar, but I know I am a cheater and a liar. 
Do you know that you are as well? God knows your heart. But you see, his dad was willing to step in and to speak for him, for his son, because he cared for him. And his son was willing to honor him for doing that. Could it be that we see that we are the cheaters and the liars? And that we have a father who invites us into the family of God who speaks a good word for us, even though we don't deserve it. That is the weight of what it means to honor your father and your mother. It's to honor him by following Jesus. Let the weight of being a parent, let the weight of being a child, let the weight of the world fall off of you and transfer onto the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Be reminded of your approval into God's family this morning. Church, honor your father and your mother. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your words are true, even though sometimes they're very difficult. I thank you for how perhaps even this morning you've begun to release the weight of sin off of the hearts and lives of people. I pray that you would give freedom in your son. Let us glorify you still and honor you as we honor our parents today and going forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray.